Welcome to Real Life Church. For more information about our ministry and available resources, visit us online at reallifeankeny.org. Now let's join this week's service already in progress. Good morning. Well, we all want to be happy. We all want to experience joy. But the question is, how can these go together with our problems? I mean, how can we sing and shout for joy when we feel weak and unproductive, overwhelmed, even rejected? Um, Isaiah 54 is the answer to that question. This chapter is a call to joy. It is a call to boisterous praise. And the reason I say boisterous is literally it says shout for joy, break forth into joyful singing, cry aloud for joy. And that sounds pretty boisterous to me. It's a call to boisterous praise in the midst of poor circumstances. It shows us how to have joy, how to be happy. And the message is, as Matt said, be happy today based on promises, based on promise, not your circumstances. So Isaiah 54 begins with a command. Sing. Burst into song. Shout for joy. Who is given this command? Who is given this command? Is this someone who just inherited a million dollars? Okay, talk to me. Is this someone who just inherited a million dollars? Is this someone who has a picture-perfect family in a happy home? Is this someone who just had a new baby? No, Isaiah addresses this to the barren woman. The woman who has no child, the desolate, rejected, forsaken, unmarried woman. What reason does she have to burst into song and shout for joy? None. Okay? She has no reason to, at least in her present circumstances. I mean, in the value system of her day, as barren, childless, uh, unmarried, forsaken... I mean, she is a loser. She has felt the double shame of barrenness and widowhood, but God commands her to sing, to rejoice, to shout for joy. She's commanded to rejoice because of what the Lord will do for her, because of what the Lord is, is going to do for her, because of what the Lord is doing for her. She is to have joy now, Because of the promise of what the Lord is going to do for her. And he says to her, you will have children, lots of them. Go ahead and finish your basement. Go ahead and enlarge your home. Expand your tent now because you're going to have a big family. You're going to be blessed. Prepare for it. Act like it. Act like you're going to be blessed. Sing like you're going to be blessed. Shout like you're going to be blessed. Do not fear disgrace. Do not give in to feelings of shame because I... The Lord Almighty am your husband. I will bless you. Your future holds great glory and honor. The Lord is speaking to his people, Israel. 
They've been captured. They've been taken into exile in Babylon. Their homeland has been invaded. They've lost their homes. Jerusalem has been destroyed. They seem to have no future. And yet, in Isaiah 54, the Lord declares to them their future glory and prosperity. And the Lord says, be happy now because of what is promised to you. I believe this chapter has one of the most powerful keys to living the Christian life. We are to rejoice in the promises and the future glory God has for us and not wait for our circumstances to turn for the better. And that's faith. That is what faith is all about. We rejoice in the promises of God and the future glory that God has for us and we do not wait for our circumstances to turn for the better before we do that. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. So you act out your faith. You act out your faith by shouting for joy, by rejoicing, by singing, by making your tent bigger based on expectancy. You sing before you see everything work out. You shout for joy while you are in the dark. You enlarge your tent before you see the increase. If you believe God is good, then you shout that out. If you believe the answer is on the way, then you break forth into singing before you see it. If you believe you're destined for glory, then you act like it now. That's the essence of living by faith. And the righteous shall live by faith. That's how we are called to live. And so before we get into the details of this passage, I, I want you to see this on a very personal level today. What are you waiting on God for today? What are you desperate for Him to do in your life today? You are commanded to sing and shout for joy now. Before the answer comes, before the fulfillment of God's promise. This is a huge part of our spiritual and emotional well-being. And it also pleases the Lord. I mean, it's just what God wants us to do. It's how God wants us to live. So the message of Isaiah 54 for you is this. Go ahead and sing today. Go ahead and sing today, because great things are ahead of you. Okay, and I want you to repeat that with me. Go ahead and sing today. Great things are ahead of you. All right? This is not just pop psychology. This is not just positive thinking. This is based on our inheritance that we have through Jesus Christ. Go ahead and sing today. Great things are ahead of you. And, you know, I hate when preachers do this, so I won't ask you to do this, but I'd be tempted to say, turn around and tell somebody next to you, go ahead and sing today, because great things are ahead of you. You know. And this is not an isolated teaching. This is not some obscure principle that I extracted from, from this chapter. It's all over the book of Isaiah. All these chapters that we are teaching from Isaiah 40 to 66, I mean, this is, 
This principle is embedded all through these chapters. When we studied Isaiah 52 a few weeks ago, I was reviewing that chapter, getting ready for our life group that night, and I was stunned. I mean, I had, it was like a revelation stunned me at the mental attitude adjustment God was commanding. Commanding, I say, from his people. And Isaiah 52 begins, uh, awake, awake. I mean, it's like, wake up, wake up. Clothe yourselves with strength. Put on beautiful garments. Shake off the dust. Rise up and sit enthroned. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. Burst into joy, you ruins of Jerusalem. And again, the amazing thing is he is talking to people in ruins, right? He's talking to people in captivity who have lost everything, who've had their homes taken away. And he says to them, he says to them, do not think like victims. Do not have a spirit of defeatism. Do not feel sorry for yourself. No, he says, wake up, be strong, shake off the dust, free yourself from the chains on your neck, go ahead and get dressed up and rejoice. And it's an act of faith. We do that in faith. Enjoy what is coming before it comes. You know, I like to watch uh, Wheel of Fortune once in a while. And, you know, they have one of, one of their pu- puzzles each week is a prize puzzle, and it's always a trip to somewhere special, you know. And when people win that trip, I mean, you know, they jump up and down, they get all excited, even though that trip, I don't know when they go on those trips, but it might be a long ways away, but they're happy about it now. And that's all God is asking you to do, to take him so much at his word that the glory that he says is before you is that you believe that enough that you get excited about it today, okay? Today. Be happy today. Sing, shout, rejoice, break forth, cry aloud today based on what I'm going to do for you. I've shared with you a few quotes from Ray Ortland Jr. while I've been reading uh, or studying and preaching through Isaiah, and I, I love his commentary on this book. And he said this, The test of a church's faith is not only in the wording of its creed, but also in the gladness of its worship. In other words, our doctrinal statement is not the only test of our faith. It's not only that we believe accurate, true theology. The joy in our singing is perhaps an even more true test of our faith. It is a true test of where we are at any given moment, whether we are believing the promises of God or not. Why sing? Why can we sing? Why should we sing? How can this barren woman sing? We're going to try to explore this uh, so that we we get this today. Well, in a general way, we're going to look at specifics, but in a general way, we can sing, you can sing because... Because you have hope, because there is a future. You have a hope, you have a future. God is, God is not mocking Israel in their tragic circumstances. This is not just some pep talk 
that things are not really as bad as they seem. But in their adversity, God speaks through Isaiah to tell them of the glories to come. And, you know, he, he's, he doesn't get into a lot of specifics. But he says, blessing is on the way. Great increase is coming. Revival, favor, prosperity, well-being, and security. And so he commands him to sing about this. He's just saying, this is all coming to you. So sing, shout, be joyful about it. It's a call to praise because God would bring them back from captivity. They would thrive, repopulate the city of Jerusalem, repopulate the land of Israel. But there is much more than that here. Um, Salvation will come to all the peoples of the world through Israel, specifically through the servant, through my servant, the Lord calls Jesus Christ. They don't understand all this. They certainly see it as in a mirror dimly, but they're to be glad about it, commanded to be glad about all that God has for them. So regardless of how bad things look for you now, as a Christian, in Christ, you are destined for wonderful things. Wonderful things are coming to you. Your future as a Christian is incredibly bright. So put your faith and hope in that and shout for joy. I mean, that's basically what Isaiah is saying. Sing and speak and act with positive expectation of what God will do for you. You know, David ends Psalm 23 by saying, Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I, I love the expectation of that. I mean, wow. That's, I mean, that is great Christian psychology. Just thinking that way. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Psalm 103. Daily and yearly, God satisfies our years with good things. And we should expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right? In fact, David said, I would, have, I would have despaired if I didn't believe that. If I did not believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, I would have despaired. And we are blessed every day with so many good things, with good food, newborn babies, Mike and Susan's grandson, good friends, blue sky and green grass, roses, mountains, and sunsets, people who love you, and on and on. But primarily, mainly, we are a people with an eternal and a heavenly hope. And we live in constant expectation of the fulfillment of all our desires in the coming kingdom. Romans 12, I believe it's verse 12. I forgot, I didn't get the verse written down. But in Romans 12, it says to rejoice in hope. Rejoice in hope. It doesn't say to rejoice in your present circumstances. It says to rejoice in hope. In expectation, confident expectation of good. I love church history, and you you read in Fox's Book of Martyrs about a uh, a man and a woman named Simon Miller and Elizabeth Cooper, who were condemned for their faith to be burned at the stake. And before they were burned, he turned to her and said, "Be of good courage, for we shall have a joyful and sweet supper in heaven tonight." I mean, that's how powerful this hope is. That it can, it can give joy to people who are going to be burned at the stake. And so I guarantee you, it is powerful enough of a hope to enable you
to rejoice in your circumstances too. So we, we can sing just because we have this, this, this broad picture, this, this big, this hope that's out in front of us. And we don't know all the details, just like Isaiah didn't tell them all the details. He just says that blessing, increase, prosperity, security, it's coming. And it, it, John says, it has not yet appeared what we shall be. So there's things we don't know about the future, but we, we know that we shall be like him. We know there's going to be no crying or sickness or sorrow or pain. Uh, we know it's going to be wonderful. Fullness of joy. But you can sing. But I want to go through these things in this chapter. And, and, and I believe these, uh, these apply certainly to Israel, but I, also to us. You can sing because increase is coming. More are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. You can sing because God will make you fruitful. You can sing because increase is coming. I'm not going to define it. I can't spell out the details of it, but you can just expect that. Increase is coming. God will make you fruitful. God will produce fruit through your life. No matter how barren you feel, no matter how small or insignificant or how weak you feel, God will bear fruit through you. You will be like a mother with more children. You will have more. You will have blessing and bounty from the Lord. He will take your barrenness and your weakness, your smallness, and make you prosper and thrive. Again, Israel was like a barren woman who had no children and was in a state of sorrow and shame. And we too are like a barren woman until Christ comes to us and makes us fruitful. We are dead and barren until we are joined to Christ. And then through the miracle of the indwelling Holy Spirit, fruit begins to be produced and to flow out of our lives. We begin to bear fruit. And the promise Jesus said, if we abide in Him, we will bear fruit. If you abide in Jesus, you will bear fruit, much fruit. You can count on it. You can rejoice in it. You can sing about it. God will bear fruit through you. Sometimes I struggle with that. Sometimes I, I struggle with, man, where's, where's the fruit? What am I, you know, I just want to see more than I'm, I'm seeing. But man, it encourages me so much to just to take that by faith. That God somehow, miraculously, graciously, even when I maybe am not aware of it, has and will produce fruit through my life. And I need to believe that and sing about that. And so do you. You can sing and rejoice because God will remove all your humiliation and shame. Verse 4, do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. If you struggle with feelings of shame and disgrace and humiliation, man, turn to Isaiah 54. Uh, this, chapter, this chapter has been a source of strength to me and refreshment and blessing uh, for, for literally for decades. Do not be afraid, you will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated. You know, two of our biggest fears are being shamed and being humiliated. And God says to you, do not fear that because I have removed that from you. That is not in your future. That is not what I have for you. Not shame, humiliation, but he says to us, you are destined for glory. You are destined to reign with Christ. We are to share 
the glory of Christ. So when you think about yourself, don't think of it in terms of shame, humiliation, disgrace. Think in terms of one who is glorified with Christ and who will share in the glory of Christ. Shout about that. Sing about that. Verse 4, you will forget the shame of your youth. Israel, as a nation, had suffered shame when they were slaves in Egypt. Also, uh, from the Babylonian exile, it, it, it meant shame. It meant humiliation. But God is saying to them, you will forget the shame of your youth. Whatever shame you felt in your life, I'm going to take that away from you. And that's a promise for you, too. You know, the really big burdens of life are not the financial losses, not the not physical uh, pain and suffering. It's the psychological burden of shame and disgrace and humiliation. And God says, I will remove that from you. I will make you forget that. You'll forget you ever felt that way, ever, once in your life. I will remove the shame of your sins and your failures. I have so much glory for you. You will forget the shame of your, of your earlier life. So, do you have things in your life that carry this, the sting of shame? Yeah, I do. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I, I would think you probably could all raise your hand on that. God will take that all away. And so he says, sing about that. Okay? Shout about that. Get excited about that. Cry aloud. You can sing because of the great compassion of God. Isaiah tells Israel, the Lord will take you back like a man who takes back an unfaithful wife. Verse 6, you are like a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected. Verse 7, for a brief moment I abandoned you, but with deep compassion I will bring you back. I, verse 8, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you. God deserted Israel because they continually turned away from him and to, and to other gods and idols. But in an act of sheer grace, an act of sheer grace, he accepts them back and saves them. And even though we deserve to have God turn away from us, if you belong to Christ, if you turn to Christ, then God will never hide his face from you or turn away from you. But, as it says here, but with everlasting kindness, he will have compassion on you. So, shout about that. How about singing about that once or twice a day? You can sing because the Lord Almighty will be your husband. To the woman in the Old Testament, her husband completely determined the kind of life she had. He was her Lord, her provider, her protector. She, her life was completely identified with her husband. So if the Lord Almighty is your husband, if the God of all the earth is your husband, then you have it made. And that's what verse 5 says, for your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. Through the centuries, uh, many a hurting woman has taken this as a promise for herself. When she's been uncared for or forsaken or rejected by her husband. And that certainly is a valid application. And I would encourage that application. But this isn't just for women. It's for all of us. We all can believe that our 
spouse, our partner, our husband is the Lord. That God will supply our needs, including our emotional needs, and rescue us from shame when others forsake us. Romans chapter 7, the first few verses of that chapter, I, I love um, the, the analogy there. It says, we are no longer married to the law, but we are married to Christ, that we might bear fruit for God. So, being a Christian is not like being married to a set of rules or to laws, a set of laws. It is No, it is like being married to a person. It's like being married to Christ. It is being joined to Christ. It is having Christ as your spouse, as your best friend, your closest companion, the one who enables you to bear fruit. And so we should sing and shout about that, that the Lord Almighty is your husband. Well, why do we not engage in this uh, boisterous praise more? Um, maybe you do. I mean, may, maybe some of you do, and I, you know, I love to see that. Um, and you know, just a little sidelight here, man. Every Sunday morning, I turn, I sit in the front, and I turn back just enough so I can see the Rye kids praising during worship. And that's all I need to recharge my spirit and soul on a Sunday morning. I mean, I'm so blessed by their enthusiastic uh, praise. But, you know, why don't we engage more in this boisterous praise? Shouting out loud. Uh, just crying aloud. A couple reasons I, that I think. Number one, uh, we feel that we must maintain our dignity. You know, many church, in many churches... Godliness is associated with being proper. You know? Godliness is associated with, with being restrained emotionally. Godliness is associated with strictly being solemn. And I believe there is a place to be solemn and sober. We're, we're commanded to do that. Certainly we should be respectful to others. But godliness is not incompatible with letting loose, with boisterous praise and shouts of joy. In fact, in fact, it's only compatible with that. It is really ungodly to not live that way, to not let loose with singing and song and pray, loud praise. Uh, another reason I think we, we are hesitant to this, we fear that it would make us look immature or make us look like little children. You know, VBS, the kids come here, we all shout and sing, uh, we have, we have a great time. We, Luke leads us in the hand motions. And so we think that's great for the kids. Um, but, you know, we're grown-ups. And grown-ups are, well, grown-ups. And it just wouldn't look right uh, for us to, 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 to be free, that free with our expressions of worship. But I don't think that's, that is, I don't think that's valid. I don't think it should keep us from that. We feel that we have experienced a third reason why, why we don't, where we are not living with this boisterous kind of praise. We feel that we have experienced too much reality, disappointment, or sorrow to let loose and sing and shout. And I have, I have had things happen to me where I truly wondered, at least for a short time, I truly wondered if I could ever be happy again. Um, I wondered if the pain that seemed so great at the moment would ever allow 
a song in my heart again. But I'm convinced that that's the wrong outlook. I'm convinced that that is the work of the devil to think that we are in that kind of state. I'm convinced that all that God has promised to us is more than sufficient to cause us to shout and sing no matter what we have been through in this world. Our sorrow in this life actually is all the more reason to be exuberant about the joys that God promises for our future. All the more important that we sing the song of faith, that we shout the shout of faith. And the last reason that I think we don't live in this boisterous praise more is that sometimes, and maybe for some of us, we really do not see anything in God to get that happy about. And this is really the most serious problem of all. Uh, And it comes from placing our focus on ourselves and our circumstances and ignoring the promises of God as the main source of our joy. Every time, every time in the Bible it talks about joy, it's always having joy in the Lord. Joy is in God. And so if, if we have placed all the, foc- all the focuses on our, ourselves and how we're doing and our circumstances and how we're doing, we really don't have a lot to sing about, at least not consistently. But as... Redeemed people who belong to Jesus Christ and who, who have our uh, sins paid for by Jesus, we do have a lot to sing about. We're not going to hell anymore. All our iniquities have been paid for. All our iniquities have been laid upon Christ. We will inherit riches and blessings from God more than we can imagine God has promised us every blessing he can think of. Things really are looking up. But you do have to have the spiritual eyes to see that and to appreciate those things. All right, I want to close this morning with uh, applications. I've got four four applications or um, things to really take home. Uh, Reminders, if you will to take home from this this chapter. And some of them will be a repeat of what I've said here, but I, 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 I really want us to, um, to not walk out of here with, with really attaching ourselves and grasping a hold of these. Number one, we are called to sing while barren. Okay? We are called to enlarge our tent before we see the results. Before the increase takes place. You may be thinking, I have nothing to sing about or shout about at all today. Well, neither did Israel when God spoke this to them. Our happiness is based on hope. We are a promise-based people. We are blessed today in so many ways. Praise God. Thank God. But it is, it is the things that God will do for us that he has ahead of us that provide our for our unshakable joy and the ability to sing and burst into song. Number two, this is a command. 
It's a command that we are to take seriously. You know, like C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. You know, it's a serious business to have joy. And we are to take this command to sing and shout and rejoice seriously. And I think we should. Uh, Every Thursday we have our grandkids over for a pretty big section of the day. And a few weeks ago we had the kids over on Thursday. And one of them, I won't say which one, because I love them all. I wouldn't want to shame any one of them. But one of them came over quite grumpy. I mean, really into grumpy that morning. And uh, a few minutes later... I heard the song Happy. And I don't know if you know what that song is. I am so out of pop culture that I didn't hear it till we were on our cruise. And it's probably several years old. But in the song Happy. Does anybody know, else know what the song is? Okay, all right. And so I heard this song Happy playing as loud as Cindy's computer would play it. And here was my, Cindy in the kitchen uh, right in the face of this grandchild and uh, singing the words of this song. And saying, hey, we're going to be happy today at Grandma's house. In other words, she commanded happiness. Just like Isaiah does here. Sing, shout. And I really got a big kick out of that. And I said, I, I thought the Lord would probably like to do that with some of us some days or sometimes. And, and that's really what he is doing for us here in Isaiah 54. But at some point in our Christian walk, we have to take seriously that God has commanded us to rejoice, sing, and shout for joy. And there's probably some still saying, but how? But how? And again, that's the point of this chapter. How can I rejoice when I feel barren, unproductive, weak, deserted, forsaken? How can this barren widow sing? Only by believing what God says. That fruitfulness, increase, glory is coming. And that's how Paul lived his life. The Apostle Paul, Romans 8.18, I consider not, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth even comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. Troubles may come and go, but our glorious future with Jesus Christ never changes. And again, this chapter makes so clear, we just we have to look for a different source of happiness than our barrenness, than our rejection, than our, than our problems. God is challenging us in this chapter to change our source of happiness from ourselves to Him. From, he's challenging you to change your source of happiness from your misery to His promises, from your present circumstances to your destiny in the Lord. God is teaching you to look away from yourself to Him. Number three, realize that to obey the commands of this chapter takes great resolve. And I say that because I think sometimes people, we walk out of a message like this and, and think, uh, okay, that sounds good, I'll give it a try. Well, it's not quite like that. I mean, you got to decide this this is a life decision. This is a big time. We're talking about big time decision of your life and your will. 
Now, let's just say, let's just say that I stood up here this morning and this doesn't make sense, but let's, let's just say it anyway. Let's say that I told you that you have to go out here after church and you have to push your car across the parking lot. I mean, that would be, that would be hard. I mean, that would be physically hard work. But I would say that it would be easier in some way for most of us to do that than to sing and shout for joy in the midst of depressing or hard circumstances. Mental, spiritual exertion is often the hardest work we do. I mean, often you've heard, you've heard uh, that prayer is, prayer is hard work. Well, it, it is. Praise, in a sense, sometimes is, is, is hard work. And you see, I love the Psalms because you see David working at that. He comes to the beginning of the Psalms with, with you know, weighed down and, and with, with great, sometimes, anxiety and even oppression and depression. And then he works his way through that to praise uh, at the end of almost every one of the, the psalms. Spiritual exertion is often the hardest work we do. Life is war. It's a fight. And most of that fight takes place on the inside of you where nobody sees what is going on. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical fight. It's a fight to believe God and to respond to God's promises with singing and joy. Fourth, and the last uh, application is to see these things as an act of faith. Sing, speak, and take action expecting to see the goodness of God. I love, uh, I love the challenge to sing, shout for joy, uh, to burst forth into joyful singing. But I also love the command to um, lengthen your cords, strengthen your pegs, you know, enlarge your tent. As I said, you know, finish your basement. More kids are coming. I mean, it's, it's like do an action, do something that expresses your belief that God is good. Um, and, and that's really how we have to live. We live by faith. We live expecting to see the goodness of God. And God would rather have you sing and shout. And enlarge your tent and look like a fool because, you know, nothing seems to be happening than to have you shrink back and, and live in despair and a sense of, of hopelessness. He wants us to sing and speak and take action, expecting to see his goodness. And this chapter, don't mistake this chapter that that it's putting pressure on you to produce results. No, this chapter is putting pressure on you to have faith. Okay, it's putting pressure on you to sing, to shout, to enlarge your tent. It's not putting you putting pressure on you to produce results. All right, it's not even a command to be fruitful. We are not pr- told to produce the children, or produce the blessing. God will do that. God's people are told to shout for joy, to sing, to enlarge our tents. God will do the rest. Faith is it's putting our hope wholly in God to act on our behalf. 
we we do such a small part and we trust God for the big activity that has to happen. But as believers in Christ, you know, when we when you are joined to Christ, uh, all of a sudden your future has glory in it. And so we are we're to behave like people. We're to sing and speak and behave like people who have glory in their future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for um, this beautiful chapter of Isaiah 54. Um, we, we ask that it would sink into our hearts, our minds, our thinking. Um, we ask you to do a special work. I ask God that by your spirit this morning, you would stir up within us uh, the faith, the resolve to to do this. And I, I think of how so many times in the Psalms, David says, I will sing praises. I will extol the Lord. Lord, I ask you to stir us up to be people who at least quite a bit of the time can live with um, with boisterous praise. Lord, help us to be not, not be afraid, um, certainly on our own or sometimes even when we're together, to just... Just, just cry aloud and shout. Give you a shout out of praise and singing. You are so good, God, and our future is so bright. We don't understand all the details of it, but we believe you. We believe you when you say that our, our destiny is one of great glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.